Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to Neurodetergent. And this is Katie. Our goal is to reach like-minded folks in an effort to connect, encourage, and support each other in our struggles navigating life with neurodivergence. And, and to have some fun and laughs, laughs yes. along the way, Katie. Okay. <laughs> if you've got a stubborn stain on your atypical brain, you need neurodetergent. We're gonna spill the tea about ADHD and wipe it This is Eric. Hi, this is Katie. And you're listening to Neurodetergent. This is episode four. And four in the bag. Four in the bag. How do you feel? Feeling good. Good. Um, gotten a little bit of feedback, some positive feedback, which is always nice. We if actually, you... we actually just got a comment. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I'll have to take yeah. a look at it. It's relevant to the topic. So it's we'll relevant get to, it. to the we'll topic. Get to it. Perfect. Um, if you want to interact with the show, which we hope you do, you can always email us at neurodetergent.pod at gmail.com. You can Go check us Facebook. out on Facebook, yes, and uh, we are available on most podcast platforms, <laughs> Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, Google, I don't think it's called Radio. iTunes anymore. What's it called? Apple? Apple Music? Apple Music. It's on Apple Music. <laughs> it's been don't you have iTunes to, for a while. But don't you have to install iTunes to be able to access Apple Music? I had to install iTunes to be able to put the podcast on there. Okay. I don't... Are you sure? I didn't think that iTunes was still, like, a thing. But I'm on Spotify because I fucking am a... I love Spotify. Well, there you go. And you're not. You're not Spotify. Free advertisement. Oh. I, um... I subscribe to Amazon Music. (laughs) Just because I ordered a record off of Amazon once, and they gave me a 90-day free trial to Amazon Music, so I was was like, whatever, like over a year ago, and so I've been using it ever since. It's actually it's like ten bucks. Okay, okay. And it's the only streaming service I have. Oh, all right then. Apple Music or wait, Amazon. Yeah. Music. Yeah, Amazon Music. Cool. And we're available on there, too. Yes. <laughs> so, um, kind of got <laughs> off track there a little bit. How do you listen to podcasts? Let us know. Neuro- yeah, neurodetergent.com yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd love it. Sorry, let me turn my phone down. Uh, or don't turn your notifications on like a psychopath in public with your fucking phone beeping like a weirdo. Uh, also, if you're somebody who um, has the notification set to where they ring on your phone where other people can hear them, drop us a... Comment. Why do you have such a problem with that? Oh my I don't... gosh, because it's, it's psychopathic behavior. How is that psychopathic behavior to have a notification <laughs> on your phone? I don't know. I just don't understand. Like, because if it's... you're having a conversation with somebody, it's beeping every time they message you. It's like you don't know that there are other people. I don't want to hear your phone. If I'm like out and about and your phone's beeping every time somebody's... If we're in a waiting room, <laughs> sir. Okay. <laughs> so I think we've hit a sore spot. <laughs> Okay. And episode four is already I'm glad we're completely talking about derailed. Coping. coping today. Coping mechanisms, strategies. We're going to get there. Yeah. So how do you cope with people's <laughs> phones being on in public? Do you confront them? <laughs> <laughs> I wish that people could see how you asked me that question. That's the most confrontational, Eric, I've ever seen. Do you confront them? <laughs> Um, no, but I will, okay, if it goes on for a while, I will maybe go <sighs> a couple times mm-hmm. to see, and then I'll look up, maybe, like, did they, did they hear the sigh? I, you've never had an issue bringing it up to me. 
Well, I'm not. You're up. Oh, well, we're not in a waiting room. But because it's. it's but what I have done. Okay. Though, if you haven't noticed, Katie, is typically <laughs> when you bring it up, I turn my notifications off when we're hanging out. And then. You so don't, what you're it saying is you. I've conditioned you. You. Well, I would just wait till you bring it up. But yeah, I, appreciate I guess that. so. Yeah. If I, that's how you want to word it. I thought it was me being respectful of, of you know. <laughs> Your shit, but apparently... I appreciate apparently... it so much. Really, I do. <laughs> okay. I really do, actually. Like, I actually really do appreciate that you do that for me. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm happy to oblige. Awesome. Um, so anyway, coping mechanisms. <laughs> yes. Why are we talking about coping mechanisms? Uh, I think you picked the topic. I did. Okay. Because um, I didn't realize a lot of things that I did would even be classified as a coping mechanism. And it was like I was telling you last night... Um, just the phrase coping mechanism has always seemed to have like a negative connotation to me. Which surprised me. Why does that surprise you? Because that sounds like something, again, you've got to understand, Katie and listeners, that I haven't been exposed to a lot of like mental health therapy type stuff throughout my but entire you've life. you've been in therapy. I have, but we I don't recall that phrase ever coming up. Coping. Coping th- mechanism. So when I hear that phrase, like, just kind of out in the wild, it sounds like something negative. Like, well, I don't have anything to cope with, you know? Yeah. So, so it's, what's interesting to me about it, I'll, I'll try to summarize, and it, which is hard for me, so I'll, I fine. will try. Okay. <clears throat> so it's, fu- it's interesting to me because when I am talking about coping strategies or mechanisms with, like, clients and stuff, mm-hmm. um, like, I... I usually am talking to somebody who inherently thinks that coping strategies means positive when in fact, like, like people use a lot of like pretty unhealthy, like unhealthy coping strategies to cope with things. And so, um, like coping is just a way to survive, right? It's just a means. Okay. So like if you're in a situation that's like, um, causing you pain, Right. Let's say you have a headache and you take a Tylenol. You're coping with your headache. Your headache by taking a Tylenol. Okay. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Okay. It's just, <clears throat> I think I've never really heard that definition. Okay. Or any definition whatsoever. But I always hear it talked about in. I don't know. I just feel like it always had a negative connotation. To a lot it. Does of times, yeah. Just kind of like piggybacking off the Tylenol thing. A lot of times, like uh, kind of going back to like. Ex- Maybe trying to explain what I mean by unhealthy, healthy coping mechanisms. Um, I come, I come across a lot of times where people will say that they um, don't take Tylenol if they have a headache. I don't take Tylenol. I take ibuprofen because Tylenol is, I don't know what it's for, a fever reducer? I don't know. Anyway, so <clears throat> I take ibuprofen if I have a headache, but I have a lot of clients or people who tell me that they don't because they feel like they have a headache and so that like there's a reason for it being there and so they need to like figure out how to make it go away outside of just putting like taking the ibuprofen they feel like ibuprofen is just a band-aid so they'll suffer the headache and that is a coping strategy but it is probably something that is not necessarily healthy but either way they're coping yes okay both of those ways they're coping with the headache so when we talked about in the first 
episode mm-hmm. about how sometimes you have trouble checking the mail or paying a bill on time or doing all these other things. And I told you that I have like a system <clears throat> for all of those things. I didn't realize that each one of those things would be classified as like a coping mechanism. Yeah. Right. So what exactly <laughs> does executive function like what does that even mean so okay executive functioning is like um it's like the things that it like kind of like day-to-day tasking right think of like tasks that you need to do throughout your day mm-hmm. um to get you through to the next part of your day so like uh if you you wake up you set your alarm you wake up to it mm-hmm. you get up you wash your face you brush your teeth maybe you take a shower you get dressed you make a pot of coffee you make some breakfast you eat that's executive functioning. It's okay. like doing those tasks that you do in the day that like for a lot of people who are neurotypical or maybe like um, people who are not like uh, say like suffering in some way from a um, like mental illness or physical um, disability or something like that, that they just do the it's like kind of automatic, reflexive, routine, right? Those are your executive functionings function. That's your executive function. And so a lot of times when people are neurodivergent, they struggle with their executive functioning. So maybe they get up um, and the transition between uh, sleep and wake up time is is like a little bit more hard. Uh, and getting up, brushing your teeth, washing your face and doing those step by step tasks um, feels insurmountable sometimes. Wow. Um, so where it's like because... <clears throat> Of wherever your um, wherever your dysfunction might lie, or wherever your disordered thinking might lie in that transition, I know that for me, and I can only speak for myself as far as like what that feels like, is that uh, I have I struggle really hard with transitions, and so like me transitioning from say okay I'm laying in bed, I'm relaxing, I might be on my phone, and then now I need to get up and take a shower. That transition feels very challenging for me. Being cold is very challenging. I don't like to be cold. It's very uncomfortable. If I'm in clothes that feel very comfortable to my skin, the material feels very soft. I don't want to, I don't want to let go of that comfort, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if that makes sense. And so that transition just feels like. Like uh, changing clothes. Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I don't feel, I don't feel like that's something that I experience. Mm Mm-hmm. I find it more of those things that are outside of that normal routine that I have trouble doing. So, okay. for example, um, <clears throat> I bought a kitchen table for the kitchen, and it was one that you had to put together. So I had it came in a big cardboard box. Mm-hmm. Well, that cardboard box, up until just a week or two ago, was just sitting in that back room for months and every time I would walk past it it would bother me mm. but I for some reason couldn't it became I, an impossible I, task it became an impossible task until one day just out of the blue I happened to be coming home and I'm standing on my front porch about to unlock the door and it just said I'm I'm going to throw that box away right now mm. and so I went back and I threw it away and then I even like organized some things back there and yeah. It felt like some big accomplishment because yeah. <laughs> it was like I was just waiting for the right time to do it. And I don't know what happened in my brain yeah. uh, when I went out there and did it. Same thing right now. I have a turn signal out. Mm-hmm. Driver's side, oh, yeah, front this, yes. side. And it's been out for over a month. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I still haven't. Even, even times I've been at the store with the intention of buying it have walked out without it. Yeah. And still, every time I get in my car, 
I know it's out. Yeah. And I know it needs to be taken care of. In fact, just today, I had driven down to uh, KFC to get me some fried chicken because the place was closed last night and oh, I was bummer. craving it. It was Google wrong. It was Google been wrong was so wrong. many times lately. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, just today, I'm as I'm walking out of the restaurant and walking towards my car, I look at that driver's side light thing and I, I notice the bulb isn't there. And so I look and the bulb has fallen out and it's just inside the thing. <laughs> and so now I have this idea where it's like, it might not be burned out at all. And I can't wait until you and I are done doing this so I can actually go out there and, and really look at, at it mm. and see if I can do this without having to replace it at all. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so. So I have, like, uh, sort of, like, a, another example of this. Um, okay, okay. So, Sarah, our producer, just explained to us, um, or at least a way of, like, putting the like an concept of the executive function to like and to like a... Um, a flow chart, an organizational flow chart at like, a yeah. corporation where it's the CEO is at the top and that's your executive function. And then you have all of these, you know, vice presidents, executive presidents and vice presidents right. underneath. But that CEO has to communicate those things to the level underneath yeah. him. And all of those executive Perfect. underneath still have to make sure that they're communicating all of those things to the ones underneath yeah. and so on and so forth. Um, Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, I get, that actually makes a lot yes. more sense to yes. me. So then it does <laughs> kind of to, to talk. So when you're talking about um, the blinker, so I have this thing where um, I will, I do not want to tie my shoes. Okay. Uh, I want all I, if I could just have all my shoes, not have ties, I'd be in heaven. And so I will spend four or five times the amount of time trying to get my shoe on without untying it and then tying the laces mm -hmm. then I will even if just halfway through the fucking like battle that I'm going through trying to get my foot in the fucking shoe without untying it even if I just untied halfway through that I would save time I will to I'll fight to the death getting my foot in that shoe without having to untie it that is sort of an example for me of like um like what feels like an executive dysfunction or like okay. where something is disabled, where it's like a lot of things that I do and ways I go about things is like, I try harder to not just to do the work that I, I put more energy and effort into trying to find shortcuts to things that I will. If I just, just sat down and did the shit, like right. start to finish. It's so weird. Oh, that it's so you, frustrating. It's so weird that you brought that up. Cause I do the exact same thing with my oh, shoes too. You? And I mean, how many shoes with laces do you ever see me even wear? <laughs> I mean, but your fucking parents own like a, like a, they, they work, work for, for a company that has shoes, but, um, so you get these, can they get, can you, maybe, I don't know. I want some loafers. I don't want to tie my shoes. I just found out that they sell tie dye loafers. <gasps> I mean, I know. It's funny because I, of the things I, I wear sent a picture of it. I sent a picture of it to my mom, and I said, "When did you guys start selling tie dye loafers?" And she goes, "Hook it up." Uh, Eric's just mom. a while ago, she uh, she said, uh, "I don't design them; I just ship them." And I was like, "I love them." And she ship said, them "To my house." And she said, <laughs> "She said that's surprising." And I said, "It's like you don't know me at all." You said that's your mom. <laughs> yeah, and she said, "That's what I worry about." I know. Okay. It's, uh, <laughs> Eric. <laughs> anyway, squeezing your feet and shoes. Uh, but that's never something uh, that I, I mean, I, God, I know I do that and it's not something I ever really thought of until you just now said it out loud. I spend so much time during the day trying to find ways around things. Uh -huh. and, it, I, and I swear I would be like, 
it, it's like sometimes I just don't do that and I'm like, ah, no, I'm just going to like start to finish it. And, and then I, and then I just feel like, I feel like I should get an award for that. Uh-huh. Like sometimes, you know, when I do something right where I don't like try to work around it and then I just like start to finish, read the instructions, get it right the first time. Just and then I'm like, do it. somebody give me an award. It's, it's such a huge accomplishment <laughs> yeah. for you. I get it. Yes. I get it. I just want like an applause. That's interesting because <laughs> it, it's really crazy just hearing that from you because I feel the exact same way, but I've yeah. never really spent a lot of time analyzing that kind of behavior it just seems normal to me it seems seems normal to me so in turn i just assume that's normal for everyone i mean i i would i did too for a really long time until i started like observing other people and then i started seeing like oh they just untie their shoes and then they sit down and they put their shoe on, and then they put, they lace it up, and then they tie it, and then they put their and they're like sitting down, relaxed. I am like running. I'm like half standing, fifteen things in my hand, sweating because I'm already dressed and put got my coat on, just trying, trying to, to jam, jam your foot in fucking that shoe. manhandle my foot into the shoe that's tied, and it's just like sit the fuck down and tie your shoe, chill out. But I, in my brain, I'm just like. Argh! I'm like, like a, no, fuck you. It's like I'm feral and I can't. And But then when I do it every once in a while, I'll just do that. And then I'm like, you're like, I tied my shoes. I did it. I did it, mom. No one's there to cheer you on. Um, Good job tying your shoes, Katie. Yeah. Oh, man. That is so That is so crazy because there's, there's so many things that some of the things that I do can be like a little convoluted. Now, we shared a screenshot on Facebook. In fact, yeah. let's pull up that post. I think this is a good time to talk about that. We posted a picture of your alarms that you have. And so you've got one, two, three, four, five different alarms set just on this one screenshot mm-hmm. with these different things that you have to do every day, like picking up someone from school okay, or... Okay, here's... here's uh, before we get into that, let me just make sure. Okay, so um, I don't ever see my attorney. I never saw them every day. Okay, I wasn't going to even say the whole... All okay. those things. <laughs> so, like... Uh, most of the things that are written in here, or typed out, I should say, uh, are three years old. Really? Yeah, and happened one time. Like, I needed to get the hydro flask. Oh, okay. One day. So, <laughs> did these alarms just continue to go off, and did it take a while for you to even turn them off in your so phone? So, I just, I just will either use the alarm for something else, but okay. it's still named that, or I start a new alarm. Okay. So it's kind of very chaotic then, your whole alarm thing. So, so that wasn't really so like a good example of something of <laughs> that you do like every day. No. Okay. Um, because we had some we had some posts on here. Yeah, we, we had did. some comments. So uh, one person posted twice. Uh, one was a screenshot of their calendar and they've got one, two, three, four, five, six things on just one day. The other, they have one, two, three, but it's like pay bills, hang out with this person. It's, you know, my child's weekend with this person and, you know, give the dog a bath. Um, And then they also posted a screenshot of their alarms and it's like exercise, take this pill, take the other pill, you know, all of those kinds of things that just remind them every day. Um, This is, okay, so here's the comment that was put on here. Now, I didn't, uh, I have not read this before. Do you want to read it? Sure, I can read it. Read it. Okay. Do we want to say who posted it? I, I don't think 
I want to mention names on here okay, just yet fine. until I don't know. There needs to be a cool, cool, cool. an understanding if you're going to post that we want to say your first name or not. Yeah. But I just say um, also just a listener. If comments. people want their names posted, they could just put that in the comment. Like post True. same say, like a shout out, please. They All want right. a shout out. Okay. It takes me three calendars: work calendar, phone calendar, and paper wall calendar. Ooh, old school. In order. In order to successfully function as an adult, I also have a spreadsheet for everything no. at work. I don't even know what a spreadsheet is, if I'm being 100% <laughs> honest. At home, I use a marker board in a high-visibility area to keep important reminders where they can't be ignored or silenced. My biggest coping mechanisms for keeping my house from total chaos are doom piles. It may be a basket box or just a little spot where things which are out of place or don't have a place get piled up to be sorted later when I have the motivation to organize. Special interests often end up in doom piles after I've moved on, but I... but I refuse to admit I've moved on. Mail paperwork is a constant doom pile mm-hmm. as I only file those every once sorry, those away once every six months or so. Doom piles allow me to have organized chaos rather than complete chaos. Wow. Have you heard I of like the that. phrase doom pile before? I have, yeah. Um, I had never heard that before, but it makes a lot of sense because I'll often have piles of mail. Um, or like this stuff behind me right here or what's worse and i've i've managed to really get a handle on it is the coffee table yeah but looking back so reading that comment i just realized that my ex-wife and my stepdaughter they did the same thing Mm -hmm. on the kitchen table and that was like a big deal was to get the kitchen table cleaned off every week because there was always so much just yeah i've never thought of that and i've never thought of there being a name for it Right? Yeah. <clears throat> um But the calendars, the spreadsheets, Katie, you wanna you wanna dive into just how like neurotic I am about some of these things? Oh my gosh. Even if that's not the correct use of the word neurotic, I don't know. Um but uh when it comes to spreadsheets, so I have this compuls uh, compulsion to track data. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh most of that I do through work where I have spreadsheets tracking things that no one's ever asked me to track, Mm -hmm. but I do. But what has been the benefit of that is there's sometimes where a boss has asked me, hey, I need you to, you know, pull together some data about this and send it to me end of day Friday. And it's a Tuesday. And I'm like, actually, I have it right here. Here it is. Within like five minutes, Mm -hmm. I can get him what he wants, even though he gave me a four day timeline. Yeah. Right. Um, But I do that like at home too. Okay. For things like my utility bill. And this is, I know I've talked to you about it before and we'll talk Mm -hmm. about it again. Yay. But this is ridiculous. (laughs) This is my favorite subject. The length that I go through uh, to, (laughs) to make sure I have enough to pay my utility bills. Right. Because gas is expensive. We just came through winter. I had a pretty high utility bill, bill at one point and I was like, I have to make sure I'm budgeting correctly for this. So I take the average of all of them and that tells me how much I need to put back into a separate account that I have just for money for my utility bill. Um, And then I've even gone deeper into it where I can go into the website of the utility company and see what I'm averaging and what my projected per month and I've been able to figure out kind of a dollar amount to assign to these things. (laughs) And I've been able to estimate what my next month's bill is even going to be. Okay. So last month I was accurate within $6.48. I'm, I'm very... I mean, that's it's an accomplishment to me, yeah. but I just have a... I feel, like, compelled to do this. Mm-hmm. 
And every morning I wake up and I check it and I update my utility bill spreadsheet. That's like part of my daily routine now. Okay. You know? So I think this is a good time to transition uh, into like, like kind of talking about um, like coping mechanisms and things like that and how, like how they can look disordered. Okay. Not that what you're describing is disordered. It's disordered though. (laughs) It's, I don't, I mean, it feels like, um, like it's bordering on compulsion. Like I kind of want, like I've been fighting the urge to make a spreadsheet and track the time of day that my dog poops. <laughs> so like I I am somebody who is like just kind of at my core I am a nonconformist, mm-hmm. right? And we've kind of talked a little bit about that. Like I um I'm just oppositional. Um and like I think that that is partly my temperament. There have been things about my experiences that have conditioned me to be nonconformist, okay? So like I just naturally am oppositional. Like when if you say do this, I'm like, no, that's just instinctual. Like it's just reflexive. Nah, don't, don't want to. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. Um, it's just who I am at my core. So like anytime I'm in a situation where that's con- like where I'm confronted with that, I have to really get a grip on myself and go, I have to like, you know, tell myself, take some time, push through that, uh, be reasonable process what's going on and then respond. Right. And that takes time. It's taken me a lot less time recently as I've worked through that than it did in the beginning when I started that process. Um, however, that's just me going into detail about how nonconformist and oppositional I am. That being said, I thrive and I, and I feel most, um, in control when I am, uh, routined and structured. When I have a rigid schedule, when I am step-by-step, every single thing is planned about my day, that is when I feel like I thrive. Uh, The problem is, is that it can become very disordered very fast for me, where if I am exercising and, um, and like things are very routine and rigid, I can become, it becomes disordered for me. And like my entire world will revolve around my food and my exercise. Mm -hmm. And it will become everything that I can and have the ability to control in my life. And it's, it's never, ever resulted in a positive outcome for me, <laughs> as you can imagine. And so um, in my life, the ways in which I have coped in the past have revolved around that. Um, but I'm at a point in my life where I have insight now that I didn't before. And I know myself better than I have in the past. And so those coping strategies that have worked for me in the past around those things were not healthy um, and they're not sustainable anymore. So I'm having to try to find new ways to cope and which is a transitional period for me, which is uncomfortable for me because <laughs> <laughs> we've kind of right. circled that. Right. So I am in this phase right now in my life where it's like, I really am trying to cling to structure and routine, especially like, as we talked about last episode, going off my meds. Mm-hmm. Um, exercise is something that helps me, uh, like alleviate some of my symptoms, but I can slip into some like really disordered exercise habits, like pretty quick with like running and things like that. So I'm Mm -hmm. trying really hard to like be engaging that with awareness and like with like, um, do you feel like 
do you feel like you, you run the risk of just getting completely obsessed with like, you know, running all the time or Absolutely. tracking your progress or like, you know, watching every single calorie? And uh, is that what we're talking about? Like just being completely obsessed with, with. Yeah, where I will, I become fixated, Mm -hmm. where it becomes like, um, like today I ran five miles, tomorrow I will run six miles, today I ran five miles in 50 minutes, tomorrow I will run six miles in 50 minutes. Oh, okay. Um, Like, it it becomes very much like, and so then the time that that takes become, like, consumes all my time, it consumes, like, what I'm eating because I have to be fueling my body, and Mm -hmm. it becomes just this, like, pretty rigid, scheduled, um, like, every single minute is taken so that there are no minutes to, like, waste. So what... Do you think you can do to tackle that issue? Um, well, something that I'm doing this time that I've never done in the past is I'm like talking about it out loud. Okay. Uh, which I think makes a difference. Um, because I think that um, part of my coping mechanisms and my coping skills that I've uh, developed up until this point in my life, whether I'm still using them or not, have survive me right and like i've outgrown a lot of them and so um hang on just a second i forgot what the question was i'm so sorry can we can you repeat what the question was i've already forgotten what the question was <laughs> okay well, it was something about just how how do you intend to do oh with yeah, this? yeah yeah okay so so basically like in the past i have i used running and i used that rigid schedule of running and exercise and eating i used that rigid schedule along with like my education and my uh work schedule to um avoid anything outside of those things that was that was like uncomfortable in my life or like made me feel things because i wanted to avoid feeling anything i don't need to do that anymore because i've made changes in my life that i don't now want to avoid my life. I want to live it. And so um, those coping strategies don't work anymore. But now I do want to exercise and I do want to live healthy and I want to like eat good and like have these parts of my life engaged. But it's like this transition of trying to re-engage those things in a healthy way. It's like muscle memory to me. Mm -hmm. So when I go back to it, it's like I have to kind of like um, go back to it while I'm kind of also untangling all the shit out of it that's like in the past served to to protect me and I don't need it to anymore. And so it's like, sorry, it's like kind of like hard to talk about. I, guess. I get you. It's okay. So <laughs> it's kind of emotional. It's okay. Okay. So what do you do um, to remember those little things though throughout the day? Just getting up, getting dressed, getting in the shower. Like, how do you cope with that? <clears throat> As you say, you have a hard time with those so, things. So like. I am a very optimistic, like a very optimistic person. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something that other people notice about me or if that is something that comes off across, like comes across, but I do enjoy life. <laughs> I do like being outside and like, I love the sunshine and I want to be outside and I like going on walks and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so, um, it's sort of like, I, um, I think the things that motivate me to engage in like, you know, the executive functioning are the thing, are the parts that like I enjoy. Like I want to get up and I want to listen to some music, which means like I got to go brush my teeth so that I can go to the gym so I can listen to my music and my headphones. Okay. So it's like everything's kind of interconnected and like woven together. Um, And the part, like the risk that I ran in the past with that is that if one thing kind of like 
if there was a hinge in one thing and it fell apart, I would feel like very fraught in that space. So when you have like a really rigid schedule and then one thing kind of falls out and it's like, oh, this isn't going to work out everything unravels and it would be very easy for me to be like, ah, like freak out. And, um, and I don't feel that anymore. And so it's a lot easier to engage those things without feeling like that impending. If something doesn't go as planned, then everything is going to have to be reworked and maneuvered. And I think that's why I don't list and plan and calendar (laughs) and spreadsheet. (laughs) Cause that's, I mean, you know, that comment they mentioned spreadsheets, um, and I know I do a lot of spreadsheets. They mentioned calendars. I do. I have two calendars. I don't have a written calendar. Um, but, When's the last time you had a written calendar? Oh, my God. I have no idea. I don't even remember the last time I had a written calendar. Maybe at work when I had an office, I had a calendar, like on okay. my desk maybe. Yeah. Um, but any job that I've had, like a work email, which is usually through Outlook, Every task that I do throughout the day that I do normally, so if it's 8 a.m. and I have to do uh, this thing and check this email and send this report, I will get a notification every morning to remind me to do that. Mm -hmm. And then I get to check it off once it's done, right? I get to dismiss the notification once it's done. And I'm very, like, strict with you don't dismiss until it's completed, you know? Um, And I do that in my personal life, too. So, like, if I make plans with somebody, it goes in my calendar. If... I get, you know, all my paydays are on my calendar. When certain bills are due and how much they are, are on my calendar. Um, When to take the trash out. You know, all of those things. And so I just get little reminders. And maybe that's why I have my volume on my phone, Katie, is because I need that audible reminder to go and take care of this task that you've deemed so important that you've set a reminder to remind you to do it. I guess for me, what that does for me is it takes me out of the moment. So if I have all of these reminders on my phone set for when I'm Mm -hmm. supposed to be doing something, then, then like if I am engaged in a moment with someone or myself, if I am like, if I am outside, um, like putting birdseed on the fence across the street, um, and my phone is going off because I need to take the trash out and I have a session in 30 minutes and (laughs) I need to pay my water bill, that feels like it's well, like inc- I'm not that busy Katie so it's not like my phone's going okay. off all the time you know with what I reminders mean? Like, I mean through the work day it is uh but not my phone that's my computer does yeah it. Right? I, I don't have my work calendar on my phone to where it gives me uh, notifications that's, so yeah you know there's there's work when I'm sitting at my desk in front of the computer and then there's the personal that's I get the phone stuff for I, but that being said Katie with all of the calendars with all of the alarms, with all of the spreadsheets and reminders. And I mean, my phone, when my alarm goes off in the morning, reads everything on my calendar for that day to me out loud. <laughs> you know, um, that wouldn't work with, me. with all of those things. I was reflecting on that over this last week when we decided we wanted to talk about that. And it has really shown a light on just how dependent I am on this technology, right? Because if something happens to my phone, if the power and the internet go out, how am I going to function correctly? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure I'll remember to do some of those things. 
And there's a lot of times, most mornings, I get a lot of that, you know, busy work reports and emails and stuff done before the notification even shows up. I think up. that if my alarm went off in the morning and when my alarm went off, it read to me everything I had to do during the day, I I think two weeks it would take before <laughs> I had a stomach ulcer and I was puking <laughs> oh my blood. God. I'm not even kidding. That is how, like, I can't even fathom <laughs> living like that. I it, like I can't even imagine living like like living with somebody who every morning I woke up and had and like their phone was going off telling them what they had to do every day. <laughs> I'd be like, oh my god! It would give me. I would have high blood pressure and and I have low blood pressure. Oh, it also plays the news after it tells me oh, what's on fuck, my camera. Oh <laughs> man, what? Yeah. What? Oh, and I listen to it god. on my phone while I'm taking my dog out oh, in the morning fuck, and making coffee. Dude, I I'm like I. I don't schedule anything before 10, usually, <laughs> and then probably around 9.30, I sit down in my chair with a cup of coffee, and I look at my computer, I look at my schedule one time, and I go, okay, I have a 10, 11, 12, 2, 3, 4, check, uh, and then I don't look at it again, and I have no notifications on my phone that go off ever, except you- for my messenger. I mean, look, if you, if you make your appointments, though, if, if you're not yeah. late, then it works for you, right? Yeah. I mean... Maybe we're not so similar after here's all, Here's the thing. I, I, I think that, like, I, there was a time in my life where what you're describing to me sounds very much like something I could have related to mm-hmm. in the past. But I think that I operated like that because I, I had a lot of shame that I was carrying about my self and who I was and my neurodivergence and like um how I showed up to things and how I presented and all of that and like I think that over the last three years since COVID I've just kind of dispelled a lot of that and I'm like I'm not I like I don't agree to do things that I don't want to do and so like I don't have to keep a calendar because anything on my calendar is usually something I want to do so I remember it okay (laughs) fair enough (laughs) and is there anything else feels easier for me that way is there anything else you want to say about coping mechanisms before we move on? I think, like, just, I guess, like, the last thing I want to say about coping mechanism mechanisms is just that, like, when we go through periods of transition, like, we just need to, like, make sure that we are checking in with ourselves. Are our coping skills still serving us? Do we have a lot of anxiety because they are failing us and we need to develop new ones? Like, those are questions, like, maybe to ask yourself during transitional times or, like, if you are newly diagnosed um, with ASD or um, a neurodivergent disorder. To ASD? Uh, like, autism spectrum. Oh, okay. Um, it's just not, it's not called autism anymore or it's ASD? Uh, ASD, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, like, if you're newly diagnosed or if you're just, like, kind of trying to do some self-work, uh, just start asking yourself, like, what coping mechanisms and skills are still serving me and what aren't. So, okay. All right. All right. So um, we're going to do the, um, the guess the outcome. Okay, guess the outcome. All right. Best yeah. of Reddit. The, the best of Redditor update. Guess the outcome. This was sent to us. If you want to share with us how you deal with certain things, you can always leave us a voicemail. The link is going to be in that description of the episode. Wherever you get your podcast, you can even send us an email at neurodetergent.pod at gmail.com. You can send us a message at our Facebook page and or we're on make Instagram, right? Or you can yeah. make a post. Yeah. I mean, you can find us. Yes, you can find us. You can find us. All right. So uh, here is the title. My boyfriend. So this is uh, 24 female. 
her boyfriend is 25 male, had a bizarre reaction upon meeting my sister, who is a 23-year-old female. Neither of them will tell me what's going on, and it's driving me crazy. Okay. Are you ready for I'm this? I'm ready for this. What, right, is there a trigger go. warning? There is a trigger okay, warning. Okay, read that, please. Drug addiction. Okay. Okay. I hope that didn't spoil the outcome. We need to read it anyway. So. <laughs> There's no other warnings? All right. Original post. Uh, no, there are no other warnings. Uh, boyfriend and I have been together for almost a year now, and our relationship has been great so far. He's my dream guy, and I honestly couldn't ask for someone better. I always felt that we were both honest and trusted each other. At no point in our relationship did I sense that he was being unfaithful or doing something he shouldn't. Last week, he came over to have dinner with my family. My parents know him well and adore him. However, it was the first time he met my sister, or so I thought. For the record, I don't have a great relationship with her at all. She's manipulative, aggressive, and batshit crazy, to put it mildly. The only time she contacts me is when she either needs money or my help to get her out of trouble once again. I don't have a clue what's going on in her life most of the time and prefer it that way. Anyway, after dinner, boyfriend and I were in one of the guest bedrooms when my sister walked in. She arrived late as usual. As soon as he noticed her, his whole demeanor changed. He looked surprised but then very annoyed. It was obvious he was trying to act indifferent, but it wasn't working at all because he absolutely lost focus of what he was doing. My sister's reaction was also weird. She immediately said, oh, hey, in this fake, innocent voice and started giggling. She had this huge fucking grin on her face and asked me where I, quote unquote, found him. They awkwardly exchanged greetings and then she left the kitchen again. They fucked. I mean, come on. <laughs> I haven't finished reading it, but come on, they fucked. Uh, of course, I asked him what the fuck just happened. Like, do you know her or something? He vaguely said that she seems familiar and kept beating around the bush. I asked if they had sex and he immediately assured me that they definitely did not hook up and that I shouldn't worry. Later that evening, I asked her in private if they met before and did something I should know about. She wasn't being serious at all and kept telling me not to worry and all that BS. However, she swore they never hooked up, and I actually believed her for once. If they did have sex, she'd definitely rub it in my face. I asked her if she owes him money or something, and she said no. Side note, as we were about to leave later in the evening, boyfriend said he forgot his wallet and needed to go back inside. At the time, I didn't realize, but now I'm almost sure he went to talk to her for whatever reason. It's really frustrating being in the situation, and I can't stop thinking about it. I've brought it up several times, and he just keeps changing the topic or telling me that nothing happened. Doesn't that sound crazy suspicious? I don't want this to affect our relationship, but I feel like I don't even know him anymore. I'm tired of begging for explanation at this point. Should I have a serious discussion with him or just give up and move on? Okay, I actually have another theory, too, that they didn't just fuck. I think they're in recovery together because of the trigger warning. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think that might be a, a possibility? Or they really fucked. I mean... That was my first thought, but then thinking, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, they're probably in recovery. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's probably the situation. They're you think in that's recovery. probably the situation? Yeah. They're in recovery? Okay. Maybe the trigger warning ruined it for us. Probably. Let's see what the update is. I had no idea that my post blew up the way it did. Had it not been for hundreds of where's the update, what happened comments, I probably would have deleted the account and moved on. 
I don't have a main. Oh, I thought that said man. Never mind. Uh, okay, anyway, on the day I made the post, I calmly just asked him to tell me what happened. I told him that it can't be that bad and that we can work through whatever it is. He said that he can't because I think less of him and all that stuff. I don't know. I was very hurt by the comment and didn't push it any farther. The next day, I had a massive argument with my sister who said that he never actually paid her off. I had a feeling she was lying anyway. She decided to tell me what happened because she got bored, yes, really, and wanted me to leave her alone. Again, in a nutshell, this is what she told me. Around two years ago, she went to these weird fucked up parties that were filled with people from wealthy professional backgrounds and everyone was constantly coked up. Basically lots of debauchery and excess. Okay. She saw my boyfriend <laughs> on several occasions and said that he was always doing heavy substances and acting very, very wild. Apparently, he and his buddies were major assholes too. By the way, I'm not sure how she ended up there, but he comes from a wealthy family, so the connection makes sense. One day, he invited her to one of the rooms where he was smoking weed. She said that they got high together but never hooked up. Afterwards, she left the party with him and a few others, and they went to someone's place. She walked in on my boyfriend having a threesome with a couple girls who tied him to the bed and pegged and used toys on him, amongst other things. Okay, I was way off. She spent five minutes explaining how loud he was and that he asked her to hold his hand. That is adorable. Oh um, someone called the cops to the location and everyone, including my sister, took off without untying him. So he was stuck there. Holy shit. Aww. She says she never saw him again after that night. Aww. Wow. Long story short, brought it up with the boyfriend. He eventually admitted that she told the truth. I was more concerned about his substance abuse and said I'd be willing to discuss that if he's comfortable with it. All she said was that he was smoking weed. She said substances, but the only thing she ever mentioned. She said heavy substances. Okay. Anyway, uh, it was a sensitive. Really sad, kind of. It was a I sensitive mean, topic, but I think we dealt with it well. He's clean now and said that he managed to put up a stop to it before it spiraled out of control. I assured him that his mental and physical health is far more important. The rest is just whatever. He was pretty relieved. He said that he'd actually opened about his past issues, but didn't feel like he could tell me. I think many people did something in the past that they're not proud of, and it's not always easy to share that with someone you care about. However, it's definitely not something I expected, because he's a clean-cut guy and just very calm and quiet overall. <laughs> After uh, there's, there's still a few things. Afterwards, I asked him about the incident, and he was mortified. He said that my sister just laughed in his face, didn't even try to help her, so the cops had to untie him. And he had to go to the ER that night as well. He was incredibly embarrassed about the butt play stuff and the hand-holding. It's the first time I've seen him so red-faced. I definitely could have handled the situation better from the start and regret that I was so pushy. Maybe if I didn't freak out, he'd feel more comfortable telling me. Just to finish, I'm going to say, if you're facing a serious problem or addiction of any kind, please make sure you get help. <laughs> the people that matter won't judge you and you'll feel less alone. Wow. Um, yeah, so that kind of went a little bit farther. So they were... She was present in a sexual act. Yeah, they didn't have sex, but she, what, hold his, right. held his hand while he got pegged by two chicks? I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's what it sounds like. So it's a little bit, there's, there's a little bit of a gray area between uh, no, you know, no, I've never, like... I feel like <laughs> if you are in a relationship with somebody and you trust them, let them tell you their own trauma at their pace. Like, I feel like shit, that would have been really traumatic. Like, re like reverse the roles of that for a second and imagine if, like, that was, like, a, a boyfriend and a girlfriend and a girlfriend had been tied up and, like, left like that and the police had to, like, untie her down and, they're and like, he, like, forced her to tell him that. That's fucked up. Sorry. Like, confronted her yeah. about it. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. That's kind of fucked up. 
Sorry, that's my no, take. No, I, I, I like take. that take. <laughs> and, and you seem to have the ability, Katie, to kind of point out a lot of things that might be, like, problematic that I don't think about well, either. I'm glad I can do that. Because, like, the example when we talked about in the first episode about, you know, neurodivergence being the next step of human evolution, you're like, well, what about, like, us feeling superior? And yeah. I don't want to have a feeling of superiority and that kind of made you feel icky and everything. And those are just those kinds of things I don't really think of. So I appreciate that perspective where you're kind of putting... Thanks. Well, even... And with the story of the the brothers and sister of them playing and how you thought it was good that they had that time with their dad and the sister always wanted to do what the oh, brothers do. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, like, what are we talking I, I didn't really look at it from both perspectives. And you have kind of a unique ability to kind of put yourself in everybody's shoes to kind of see, hey, yeah, this person's doing something kind of in a shitty way, but they also yeah. need some support from over here too. Yeah. So, uh, I like that. So we had someone write us in or write into us. Did we? Uh, yeah, they sent us an email. Um, so I'm going to read it, and then that, that'll that be it Okay. for today. Uh, now, this question is, is kind of an all-encompassing question, so it's going to be something that we might have be able to talk this? about for a little bit. Yeah, I have. Okay. Um, now, this is, a, this is a hard question to really answer because okay. it's very um, existential. Okay. As someone who – or as someone wanting for diagnosis – I feel like I have a very loose sense of self. I have a hard time really knowing who I am or what I believe in and rather just feel like I'm floating around, just existing or trying to portray an image that I want to be. I have experienced this since childhood. Have either of you felt like this and does it get better or how can I work on this? You go. Um, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Of course, I think that's very normal for anyone to feel regardless of yeah. your whether neurotypical, neurodivergent, or anything like that, I think it's very common for people to kind of question, like, you yeah. know, why am I here? Who am I? Um, what am I doing? You know, and, and I've thought about this question a lot yeah. over the past couple of days. And there's this, there's this song that I love, and it's by this band called Wookie Foot, and they're kind of like this hippie hip-hop kind of group that are really popular in like the jam band scene, but they have a lyric in there and it says the purpose of this life is to live a life of purpose. Mm. Okay. And I kind of, I've, ever since I heard that lyric, I've kind of taken that to heart and just really focus on the things that make you want to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Right. And it could be, um, anything. It could be being a mom. It could be, uh, your job. It could be because you have a hot date later. It, you know, it could yeah. be anything. And it doesn't always have to be the same thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but I feel like right now, one of the purposes or one of the passions that I have is, like I've said before, like development of other people, leadership development. So yeah. I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. I had a really great mentor named Tim. Okay. And... uh he was the first person who ever really believed in me, mm -hmm. believed that I could be better than I was, believed that I could uh, accomplish things that I didn't think I could, believed that I could go on to do great things and would always tell me that like he reminded or I reminded him of him when he was younger. And he spent a lot of time with me just like 
really like I worked for him. Yeah. But he also spent a lot of time on my development and like teaching me about how to be a good leader and how to be consistent and fair, but also how to build like a strong relationship mm -hmm. with somebody that reports to you yeah. and about how their integrity and, and their feelings and all of these things matter more than your own in a lot of situations. Um, and he's the one who helped me move up and in, into that company and, uh, you know, helped me make more money. And, and I got a lot of opportunity and a lot of exposure from him. Okay. And then he went off and got transferred to a different area mm -hmm. in a different state. And I remember the last time I saw him in the parking lot as he was leaving and I gave him a hug and I told him, I was like, man, my goal is to do for somebody else what you did for me because he really changed my life and gave me a lot of confidence in myself. Um, and I want to go do that for other people now. Yeah. Okay. And so that's kind of how I feel. Like, I feel like that's why I'm here right now. Yeah. Now, is that going to be the same five years from now? Maybe not. But that's what I'm passionate about. That's oh, what yeah. gives me some purpose right now. Um, and I think that's on every individual to find that out for themselves. Yeah. I can't tell you what yours is. Right. What do you think? Um, like, what do I think about the question or what do I think yeah, about the question. what you said? The question. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify because, um, you, I mean, like, I think what you said is like meaningful. Um, is Tim Sola? He is. Unfortunately, um, he had a stroke oh. last year. He's lost a lot of mobility. Okay. I'm not sure if he's working gotcha. anymore. Um, okay. Well, shout out to Tim. Yeah. Um, so about the question, I think like, uh, I, well, I think it's interesting. You said like, f well, I feel this way five years from now. I don't know. Like, I think if I was answering this question five years ago, mm -hmm. it'd be a lot different, obviously than I am now. Um, and I think like five years ago, I was just a different person. Right. right. Um, as we all grow and develop, but like every I, five years you become a completely different person. I think it's, seven. I don't know. I'm just making it up. I'm just pulling it out of my ass. Go on. Sorry. I interrupted. Yeah. So, um, so I think in like 2017, I had this kind of moment of clarity. I was reading a lot. Trump had been elected. Kavanaugh was being like, like going through his hearings mm -hmm. to become the Supreme Court judge. A lot was happening like in my personal life and my professional life that was like shifting for me. And so I kind of like went through this like moment where I was like, I need to like figure out why I feel so much like, um, like anxiety all the time. And part of that was like, kind of like looking at my values and how I was living. And I was like, what are my values? How am I living? And like, how far apart are those two things? And so, um, I think now I, I think my purpose or what I, what I want to do in this life or like when I start to kind of feel existential, it's like, um, I just want to feel content in my body and like feel like, um, content being alone when I'm alone. Mm -hmm. Um, enjoy the time that I have, like when I am alone. Um, and like, just as long as I know that like, I feel good inside then like I can, f I can figure out a way to feel good everywhere else. So would you say that right now, then your purpose is to find, to pursue that peace yeah. and contentment within yourself? Absolutely. That's like a hundred percent of my goal. I feel like if I, like the closer I am to that, um, the more I can benefit the people around me. 
I feel kind of similar right now because, you know, mine's more of like a physical piece in contentment because, you know, I, I know you've heard me say it before, but like I've never owned a home of my own. Yeah. And so like I'm working on making that a reality for myself yeah. right now. I have a goal. I have a timeline that I want to have it done by. Yeah. I've got money saved. I'm still saving money and all these kinds of things. Um, and like I feel like as somebody who strives for like balance yeah, and kind of let's I know life is up and down, but let's just kind of have some more just, you know, steady waters for a uh-huh. while. Um, I feel like in my mind that that's what I need. That's that yeah. goal I need is to just, you know, put down some real roots yeah. somewhere and find a place to stay put. And then other things will come because I have all of these other things that I want to do uh, in my life. But it's like I got to do this first right. and then I can do all of those other things. Namaste. Namaste. On that note. Katie, we're done. So if you, uh, like I said before, if you want to interact with the show, you can always look us up on Facebook. You can uh, email us at neurodetergent.pod at gmail.com. Shoot us a message on Messenger. We're on Instagram. Uh, You can even leave us a voicemail uh, through the link on the description of the podcast, wherever you uh, get your podcasts. And we might play it on the show. We might respond to it. Uh, That's something that we'd really like to do. And you can also support our show if you feel like doing that. Um, We are eventually going to want to upgrade some of this recording equipment so we can increase the quality for everyone as our audience grows. Um, So there's a link on the Spotify uh, show page for you to support us if you want. If not, it's cool. We're still happy that you're listening. Um, Yes. Other than that, we are going to see you next week. And uh, have a good week, I guess. (laughs) 